and welcome everybody to episode six of the Fretzelmania podcast, The Callous Commission. I am Mr. Fretz. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Fretzelmania. That's F-R-E-T-Z-L-E Mania. This podcast is available on Wrestle Addict Radio across all of the podcasting platforms from Amazon to Zoom. And if anyone still uses a Zoom in 2020, I really want to know. Like, share, and subscribe. Give us a five-star rating if you are using Apple Music, iTunes, what have you. Buy our merch on Teespring, where this month only, December 2020, you can get 15% off of your order using the code WAR15 over. And hey, if you're looking for any last-minute Christmas gifts ideas, hit us up. Follow our Patreon page for only five bucks a month where you get access to shows you wouldn't hear on this network. You get access to all of the lovely personalities on Wrestle Addict Radio and of course the rest of our lovely Patreon members. Shout out to people like Wade, Kavita, and yes, even you Slack. Today is kind of a loaded show. I'm giving you a quick rundown of NXT TakeOver War Games. Kenny Omega on Impact Wrestling, a little bit of Dynamite, and some other stuff as well. And in Fretz's Fave 5, I'm going to begin to count down my top 10 matches of the year. Call it a two-part Fretz's Fave 5. And of course... Round off the show with a Game Changer of the Week, whom I've already picked, and I think you'll be pleasantly surprised. I apologize if you can hear machinery going on behind me. There's just some construction going on near my home. So, yeah, we're going to start off here with a little bit of NXT TakeOver War Games, which was on this past Sunday night. In a match that wasn't seen on... Uh, takeover itself but recorded for YouTube wasn't even aired on NXT this past week uh, Legato del Fantasma defeated Ashante Theodonist August Gray and the number one contender to the Cruiserweight title Kurt Stallion uh, I haven't watched this match yet in its entirety maybe just the odd clip here and there but if those six folks are in the ring it's going to be really darn good Opening up War Games here, we had Team Shotzi of Shotzi Blackheart, Ember Moon, Rhea Ripley, and Io Shirai going up against Team Candice, Candice LeRae, Tony Storm, Dakota Kai, and Raquel Gonzalez. Uh, some highlights of this match, well, I have to include <laughs> freaking Io Shirai climbing the cage, uh, trying to pull a Metal Gear Solid by covering herself with something, and then... Hopping off said steel cage in a trash can. <laughs> Channeling her inner Oscar the Grouch. K. Murphy, that one's for you. Uh, there's a wicked moonsault by Io Shirai at one point. Uh, and then in another really gross looking spot, uh, Dakota Kai put a trash can around Shirai and then double foot stomped her through the top rope. It looked like it almost caved her head in into that dented thing so badly. Uh, man, 
Dakota Kai, last year when she turned on Tegan Knox at at War Games, I would have expected her to be running rough shot over this entire roster, but instead it was her heavy, it was her bodyguard, her partner, Raquel Gonzalez, got the shine in this match and was made to look like a killer. And the finisher here came with a one-armed powerbomb chokeslam kind of thing through a ladder on Shirai in that uh, partition between the between the rings for the final bell. So it looks like we could be having a feud here between the two. I know this week uh, Rhea Ripley squared up to her because, you know, that feud also isn't over. So we have a lot of players here contending for the title. And I'm not including... You know, people like the Robert Stone brand and Aaliyah and conspicuous by her retribution-related absence, Mercedes Martinez, uh, Caden Carter, Casey Catanzaro. There's a lot of insanely talented ladies. Brandy Lauren from Evolve. You know, there's a lot of talented ladies in this division. And I think with more exposure, like the NXT women's division has a bright bright future here next up here cool down match <laughs> Tommaso Ciampa versus Timothy Thatcher in just a fantastic you know, ground and pound slower and methodical match and I keep comparing comparing Thatcher to Stu Hart because of his mat wrestling and his strikes and all the various submissions he could do like you know I uh, hear all the stories about if Stu Hart's around, don't let him get a hold of you. Hey, let me just uh, get disarmed here. You see this pressure point here, and uh, yeah, he he would just get you good. Like, uh, was it that that cartoon WWE Story Time? Yeah, on the network. You know, Jake the Snake is sharing a story about him like locking in all these different kinds of sleeper holds on Bret Hart. Hey, the, the sleeper holds go like this. They go from this side, and. Uh, and let me just, uh, he'll come too. <laughs> Holy shit, man. <laughs> yeah, oh, I love story time on the network. Uh, fantastic stuff. Yeah, back to Thatcher and Champa. We had like a superplex and Champa ha had a choke hold on, but Thatcher escapes with a German suplex. Just mwah. I missed a lot of these next few matches because in the middle of the Thatcher Champa match. I got a FaceTime from a family member and we were just chatting away and, you know, playing Nintendo Switch over over the FaceTime. And I was watching a little bit of the show here as well, but I was paying more attention to to my family priorities, right? <laughs> but I I got back into watching some more highlights from this. Champa chopped the absolute bejesus out of Thatcher between the ropes and then used the the Willow's Bell for the win. Just a brutal, violent match, just which was a great change of pace from the spot, spot, spot match from before. This is a feud I want to see a lot more of, and I think based on TV this week, we are. Is Champa is I think Champa is tagging with Kushida against Thatcher and Grimes. I think I, I forget. I didn't watch NXT this week. I was uh, live tweeting. Uh, AEW Dynamite. I'll talk a little bit about that uh, after this one here. Dexter Loomis and Cameron Grimes. Uh, man, Grimes is—he's halfway to the moon to 
to quote Kay Murphy and and Mance on the Delight Show this week. Uh, I'm almost done that episode. I was just out for a walk, hoping that my neighbors would be done their yard work, and uh, it seems that they are. It just got dark out, so ha, here we go. Um, this was fun. Cameron Grimes is so good at playing that cocky chicken shit heel. He's just that that southern goofball. And uh, Mance, I'm sorry that you know a bunch of Cameron Grimes's. Although I love him on TV. Cameron Grimes, a uh, southern boy, trained by the Hardys, I believe. Former X Division champion. Oh, what was his bloody name in? In impact, uh, Nate, uh, if you hear this, uh, text it to me because I completely forget. I know he had a match against like Petey Williams at Bound for Glory that took place actually in Toronto. One of my buddies was there. Shay, shout out to you, man. Uh, Grimes was getting the just beat with that strap. You know, Grimes came back with some, with some chair shots. He uh, he used uh, the the blindfold again. He 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 came back with that one. Grimes hits an amazing like that Spanish fly style crossbody. There was a spot here where Dexter just used the strap to hoy Loomis over the barricade. Ah man, this was fun, and we have eventually we have the finish. Loomis Loomis counters a cave in to strap. Grimes face first into a chair and then locks in the silence to <clears throat> silence Cameron Grimes and he just kind of strokes his hair and his beard as he's choking him out and lulling him to sleep. You know, he's kind of like Lenny from Mice of Men with the with the rabbits, George. And let me saw a little promo here. Uh, Carrion Cross's presence was definitely felt with an ominous vulture perched waiting to strike. And we heard the tick-tock. Of course, uh, Carrion Cross returned on NXT this week, and I think we're getting some stuff set up for New Year's Evil, the first Wednesday night of 2021. I don't know if there's like a multi-person contenders match, because we had a whole bunch of plunder in the ring like Finn Balor's basically saying you know I'm back you know his jaw's better he can wrestle uh Kyle O'Reilly came out and uh I I honestly forget uh, who else oh probably Damian Priest and we're getting something cooking up here for for a contendership and speaking of Damian Priest and titles we have the North American Championship with Leon Ruff defending against Priest and Gargano, a whole bunch of plunder, baby. Uh, Razor's Edge through the outside barrier on on Ruff because, you know, Priest was basically like, okay, I'm done playing nice. I want this title back. And he just hoys friggin' Leon Ruff. Ruff playing that lovable underdog baby face, you know, like a Spike Dudley, like a Crash Holly. He is more credible than that, but he does play that gimmick well. Congrats on your engagement to Ref, um, oh, Bloody H. I just heard Kay talk about it on, on the Delight Show just a couple of minutes ago. I, f I forget the, the Ref's name, but shout out to them. Congrats to them on their recent engagement. It's awesome. 
Scream Masks came back out. So we got another sequel to Scream. How many bloody movies is there now? Like six? Yeah, I stopped after like two or three. Now I watched all those movies. They were quite popular in my, what, grade seven, grade eight was the first one. Holy Lord, I'm old. Priest eventually took all these guys out, just flying over the the ring posts for sentons. Ruff almost got the win with the lowdown frog splash, but then, you know, there's the screen guys, and then one of them revealed themselves after Gargano hit Ruff with the full one final beat DDT. Holy crap, I can't speak. Austin Theory. All day, Austin Theory revealed himself as, well, one of the 70 dudes, or not dudes, <laughs> with with masks here. And uh, this week on NXT, uh, himself, Gargano, Candice, and Indy Hartwell called themselves The Way. If they don't have Limp Biscuits My Way as their entrance theme, or at least have a vignette with that, man, they've turned, missed a big opportunity. And no, I'm not Frank Sinatra My Way, because that just makes me sad, because of, uh, you know, Pat Patterson's amazing tribute package they aired on, on TV last week, with him singing karaoke My Way, <clears throat> right in the heart, R.A.P., Pat Patterson, forever a stooge. And the main event, the men's War Games match. Undisputed Era versus the Kings of NXT. Pat McAfee, Pete Dunne, Oni Lorcan, and Danny Burch. And there was a whole lot of plunder, a whole bunch of weaponry, immediately going for like the tables, the ladders, the chairs. Oh my! And then uh, Birch and Lorcan, <laughs> they break out cricket bats uh, because England. Uh, that that was really funny. That uh, man, that, that really popped uh, the, some of the Brits that I know. Just um, amazing stuff. Shout out to uh, to Jermaine, to Martin, and uh, to <laughs> what cultures? Tom Campbell, <laughs> and among many more. Yeah, we saw just a wicked wicked spot here with. You know, Pete Dunne hits the bitter end on uh, on an on an open chair. We saw Pat McAfee, who had no business being this good. I still don't understand the irony and the f hilarity of a punter being athletic. Can someone like explain that to me? <laughs> because if you play any sport, you're probably athletic, and I can still hear those bloody bulldozers. Hope you can't. <laughs> Anyways, here, just... Yeah, Pat McAfee hits a swanton off of the top of the cage, taking everyone out. Uh, he eats a Panama Sunrise and kicks out. I hate to give him credit. I have to now. And, holy lord, there was another bitter end here on O'Reilly for a wicked near fall. O'Reilly does a brain buster on the steel partition between the ring holy lord and speak of the devil i got a group me message from uh, from k awesome hope you're doing well and mcafee low blowed cole goes for a chair shot cole dodged a punt kick there's a whole bunch of other spots here uh 
there was an there was another spot here where they're they're going for the bitter end. Pete Dunn is going for the bitter end on I think Roddy, but Roddy gets out of it, hits a hits an insigiri, hits the end of heartache, and then off the top rope comes Kyle O'Reilly with a knee drop, a chair assisted knee drop. You know, there's a, there's a chair on. I th- I think it was Lorkin's face. And that gets the pin. I'm surprised that McAfee didn't eat the pin here. But it was great nonetheless. Uh, What is left for the Undisputed Era to prove in NXT? This is their fourth War Games match. They're 2-2. and Oh, they got to break the tie next year. Uh, They're all wearing red. They're all wearing these new Undisputed Forever shirts. I heard people speculate in Fantasy Book that maybe this is it for them, either as a unit or on NXT. And as much as I would love to see them on Raw or SmackDown, I just worry, based on you know things we've been seeing with tag teams this year, that they're just going to get broken up again. Although I would love to see Red Dragon, you know, O'Reilly and Fish as a tag team again, as Red Dragon, mind you, just tearing up the scene on one of the brands that leaves Cole. Adam Cole's got to be in the main event picture and Roddy. I mean, Roddy is definitely good enough to be in the ICUS title picture. I mean, that triple threat he had on... uh, Survivor Series the other year. I think it was Styles and Nakamura. He proved he belongs there. Heck, I think Roddy Strong is a viable contender for the NXT title. And so is O'Reilly because surprisingly, it was this wasn't Adam Cole, baby, getting the pin. It was O'Reilly. And you know, he was at the main event of the previous takeover against Finn Balor, which, oh my lord, that match is great. Yeah, I... I don't think it's over for them in NXT. Selfishly, I hope they're NXT forever. <laughs> Just because I, I love them. They're so good. But maybe something will happen between maybe between them and the Hurt Business. Because Lord knows Retribution. Uh, I mean, who cares about them at this point? Yeah, this is a great pay-per-view. This is a great night of wrestling thoroughly enjoyed it uh i'm not gonna rate it because you know uh, the kings of the rings does their crowns thing so i'll just say two gorilla thumbs up shout out to osw review impact wrestling on on tuesday night i skipped i did watch raw but i don't remember a single frame of it i might have had it on the background as i was doing other stuff but yeah, Impact Wrestling, I didn't see the entirety of. I know I missed a great match between Josh Alexander and Chris Sabin. Uh, I'm going to go back and watch that because those two are insanely good workers. I hope that we're not seeing the end of the North. You know, Ethan Page's contract status is unknown at this point. I don't know when it's supposed to expire, but... Man, maybe doing him a disservice by not signing him. Because Ethan Page... Man, one of the best Canadians in the business today. You know, him and Alexander are both good. A feud between them, uh, yeah, yeah, please. Although I just said it'd be heartbreaking to see them break up. If they both stick around on Impact and they feud, oh, maybe over a title or something, 
I'm all for it. TJP and Brian Myers both had a pretty decent match that I swear would have been on main event like three, four years ago. TJP, a former Cruiserweight champion, the inaugural Cruiserweight champion of the 205 Live era. So he's always someone who puts on a great match. He saw he missed a Mamba splash. You know, he locked in the knee bar for a little bit, his former finisher. But Myers delivers a spine buster and an anticlimactic clothesline for a win. I thought his finisher was the Gangrel DDT. But we saw, yeah, TJP, he could be in the title hunt for the X Division champion, Rohit Raju. But, yeah, all right. Cody Diener and Eric Young, Young are next. Uh, Diener asked his, I think it's his brother or his cousin, to not interfere because this is all about um, him. He wants to prove something. Jake, Jake Diener, there it is. Cousin Jake. Seconded him to this match, but promised he would not interfere no matter how things, how bad things got. Eric Young, of course, has Joe Doring in his corner. Eventually, Eric Young wins. Doring jumps in. This is like, well, match is over. So Jake comes in to even the odds. And Rhino comes out with a comically large, massive plastic lead pipe looking for a measure of revenge against Young and Doring because of a previous, a previous beatdown. Taya Valkyrie and Rosemary tagging up against Deanna Perazzo, the women's champion, and Kimberly in a tournament match for the returning Knockouts Tag Team Championship. Good back and forth match here. There's a miscommunication between Perazzo and Lee, allowing Rosemary to take the advantage and score a pinfall victory. Uh, I've been a big fan of Rosemary for a couple of years now. I've been dabbling with Impact on and off like i watched tna weekly when it was on spike tv in like what 2005 to about 2008 i watched it all the bloody time ordered a couple of pay-per-views back in the day too like i think one of the lockdowns with sen chi i i know i ordered i ordered that uh, and rosemary's just been a constant and impact a veteran and if we're getting this alleged like alliance or versus matches between the two brands, like Rosemary versus Abaddon comes to mind. I, you know, Sammy Callahan is out cutting a promo. Out comes Alicia Edwards. Eddie Edwards comes out and makes the save. So we're getting a continuation of this feud between the two former Impact champions. You know, they're two great workers. You know, Sammy Callahan's feud with Pentagon comes to mind for some wacky violet stuff that i absolutely loved out of him hard to kill january's pay-per-view is around the horizon so maybe they're gonna have some kind of gimmick match there the main event well not the main event but the last match of the show was rich swan and impact <clears throat> yeah no impact champion rich swan and willie mack against chris bay and tna champion moose now moose has had this TNA championship because reasons I, I I don't know if this is like you know the universal versus the WWE title but it's yeah I went EC3 when he was doing the controlling the narrative stuff I don't know why he didn't win that title they had a cinematic match at Bound for Glory which was it was all right but 
Wow. Uh, oh, text from my mom. Hi, mom. And yeah, Swan has a match here. I mean, I mean, there's a spot here. Swan is facing. Oh, bloody! What's what's his name? <laughs> what's his name again? Uh, Bay on the outside. You know, Moose eats, Moose comes in, hits the spear on on Mac. Chris Bay would would come back in and pin the unconscious Mac. I'm sorry for all that. Holy crap! I need to watch more impact i watch a lot of post impact shows with j-bone but not a lot of impact itself i'm gonna get back into that there is way too much wrestling aew world champion kenny omega rolls into the impact zone in the lex express they even reference the lex express in this which was just hilarious uh and then Rich Swan is on his way out of the arena when he was stopped by security. He's informed that the world champion had reserved the parking lot. That world champion being Kenny Omega. Josh Matthews makes his way to the Lex Express here. And there we go. They start off with removing the John Moxley nameplate from the title and putting on Kenny's. Callus is like, you know, I didn't hatch this plan last week, last month, last year, no. I hatched this plan. 27 years ago when when they met and he was trained and uh, Callus was trained by Kenny's uncle the Golden Sheik in the business you know Callus being the jackal Cyrus the virus to name a few if for you old school fans you know, the truth commission hence why the Callus commission episode title there you just got it did you really believe I came back to be a color commentator you know, the commentator of New Japan Wrestling. It was all part of the plan. We're family. What we do is change history. Callus said he changed the world when he booked Omega and Jericho in the Tokyo Dome in 2017. Awesome stuff. He also cites Tony Khan's own claims, taking credit for the formation of AEW. Some people make matches. Some people make memories. We make history. And then Matthews asks Omega about using the microphone as a weapon. Omega attributed his actions to Moxley putting his hands on his father figure, Don Callis. And Omega touts his place amongst the greatest wrestling matches of this generation and said Impact should really treat him better. Why impact? Well, Omega fancies himself as kind of a collector. You know, he's like, I used to collect comic books, and I, I had to stop because I couldn't find all the rarest ones or something like that. And he likes the idea of being a belt collector. And Impact Gold appeals to him. Maybe I can go for the X Division title, the world title. Let's see. Uh... Hmm, Rich Swan versus Kenny Omega. All right. Rohit Raju versus Kenny Omega. Hoo, hoo, hoo. Into my veins. And then he does something that I didn't know he hasn't done in a while. Maybe I'm not paying close enough attention. Did the classic. I bid you adieu. Goodbye and good night. Bang! And just to quickly go over AEW here, you want some good in-depth 
AEW coverage, then listen to Light the Fuse with uh, Good Brother Zach, Mr. YLP. But I gotta say, the opening match, uh, Matt and Nick Jackson, the Young Bucks, the Tag Team Champions, wrestled the Hybrid 2, uh, Jack Evans and Angelico. Fantastic, fantastic opening match here. And the Bucks broke out all of their old tricks from the Meltzer driver to the Indy taker to the more bang for your buck. There was a couple spots here I swore that TH2 were going to win, but you know, they didn't. And we have a lot of contenders for the tag titles here. We have some cooks in the kitchen. Uh, there is a, the acclaimed come out and was it uh, Daniels and Kazarian? What did they call themselves in ROH? Someone can help me out with that. Huh. Yeah, they, they come out here to uh, to even the odds. Sting comes out. You know, Cody's in the ring. He's going to start talking. And Sting's winter is coming. Winter, snowy kind of entrance starts up. And before Cody could say anything, that here comes Sting. It's Sting! And, you know, the Stinger wants Tony Schiavone to give him one more. It's Sting. He obliges. Arn Anderson's like, is like, you know, I know you have an agenda here, but I just wanted to come out here just to see if it was real. But man, they have a history. A horseman versus Sting. Man. Cody said he has waited a long time to share the ring with Sting. And Sting's like, he's not here for, for Cody. He like, he he's like, I'm this place looks familiar to me. And he points up at Darby Allen sitting in the rafters. With the TNT title. He plans to be around AEW for a long time. And I didn't realize this until I was listening to um, to Mance. But they gave Sting like uh, a stats card. Arn Anderson, Jake Roberts, Taz, they don't have that. Sting is 61 years old. I'm not, you know, I'm not, you know banging on about his age like Luthez the greatest wrestler of all time I repeat the greatest wrestler of all time Luthez wrestled his last match I think in his 70s but Sting is a man that almost got paralyzed I'm worried about him I mean, like, unless he got some super duper you know edge like Daniel Bryan like neck treatment that we don't know about but at the same time, I'm like, you know, Sting, you've had your time in the sun. And now that the K. Murphy, you know, brought it up on, <laughs> um, I almost call it the Gift of Podcast again, the light show. Now I want <laughs> Goldberg <laughs> to come to AEW, but I want Sting to win the title just to hear the promo that Mance will, that Mance will do. You thought Mance going off on The Fiend was bad? Oh, that's going to be something. Kay always speaks things into the universe, and they... <sighs> Kay, you shit disturber. <laughs> I want to see it now. But anyways, you know, I'll be honest, I marked out for Sting. I understand the hypocrisy of, you know, the Sting and the Goldberg, the meme that I talked about and shared last week. I definitely get the hypocrisy of all this. But you know what? Okay. Sting, if you're going to be a mentor role, if you're just going to hang out there and be a manager, if you're going to take a couple of bumps, like just just don't die, please. 
FTR and the Varsity Blondes, you know, Brian Pillman Jr. and uh, I think his name's Griff Garrison. This match immediately gave me Four Horsemen versus the Hollywood Blondes vibes from WCW. Just a quick match here in the Shatter Machine, or should I say the Goodnight Express, gets uh, gets the win here. We're teasing a feud between FTR and uh, and the boy and his dinosaur. Lucha, the Lucha, not the Lucha, the Jurassic Express. Holy shnikes. Dustin Rhodes versus 10. I could have swore that the, the Dark Order's number 10 should be Ty Dillinger, like Sean Spears. They missed, they missed the trick here. And Dustin Rhodes does something I haven't seen since he was the natural on Turner on like WCW Saturday night. He hits the running bulldog for a finish. After the match here, the rest of the Dark Order, Evil Uno, is like, hey, how would you like to be number seven in the Dark Order? Seven? Really? You're making me remember seven. If you remember what that is, uh, your name is Mance Chapel, and you actually covered that on the past Gift of Podcasts. Yeah, seven isn't a good time in Dustin Rhodes' career. Uh, that's probably a way to get you blocked by him on Twitter, but just don't be a dick and tweet bad times to people, and then you don't get blocked. So, you know, Dustin denies, obviously denies Evil Uno's invitation. Eventually, he's like, nah, you're going to be begging me to join them soon. So we'll see where this goes. The inner circle had their had their ultimatum. They they went off on each other. They blew off some steam. There was a funny funny spot with Jake Hager and uh, you know MJF's muscle Wardlow. I forgot his name there for a second. Holy crap! Like you're staring at me. No, you're staring at me. And finally, everyone went off and. And then they all they all made up, but uh, Sammy Guevara is like, if you f up once, once I'm out. MJF kind of steals uh, the thunder at the end and is like, Max, you're ruining it. Stop. So I guess the inner circle is stronger and better than ever. Uh, we shall see. We'll see how long this lasts. Lucha Bros and Lance Archer versus Eddie Kingston, the Butcher and the Blade was a pretty fun. A six-person tag team match here. This showed me that maybe that alleged they alleged a while ago, or at least the dirt sheets did, of a trios title. Uh, I'd be all for a six-person tag title. You know, ROH has one. New Japan has one. There's enough super groups on AEW. Honestly, there might be too many. They'd be able to have a great trios division here. I'm all for it. Abaddon makes short work of Tesha Price with the Widow's Peak. Uh, her playing mind games with Hikaru Shida, the women's champion, just uh, setting up their feud. And Kenny Omega comes out and he cuts a promo or cuts a promo with with Don Callis, and he's like, you know, I've been in this place for over a year. He says nepotism is a beautiful thing and bragged about winning the belt from Moxley. Omega, he's heel. I mean, he he had the sweeper girls. You know, Kings of the Rings, Kings of the Rings' favorite thing about Omega, the the Sweeper Girls, and you know, it was good to see Moxley stay away from this interview. 
the rematch that they're probably going to have needs to be built up over time. And I'm I'm all for it. You know, all, all these announcements, all these things that you're like, what is Don Callis and Kenny Omega going to gonna announce? Is it going to be Impact versus AEW? No. I mean, I think that's coming in 2021. Probably when they can have fans there. God knows this kind of thing needs fans. Oh boy, fantastic. I, I, I love this thing. This whole thing with Omega and Callus. Mostly because I love that Moxley is no longer the champion. Despite the fact I am wearing this t-shirt that Nate got me from Revolution with Jericho and Moxley on the cover. Where, Mox, where Moxley won the title. I marked out for it. Honestly, I still like Moxley, but Kenny Omega, man, he just because, you know, by Canadian law, you know, he's a Winnipeg boy. Shout out again to WJets420. You know, I'm an Ontario guy, but still, uh, I love I love me the Canadians, and I love that this connection out of Winnipeg, adding Chris Jericho in the mix, who is behind the scenes, they're ruling it. They're they're showing that they belong. They're showing, you know that that you know put Winnipeg on the map. Like they brought back the Jets a decade ago. So here we go. Main event: MJF and Orange Cassidy for the Dynamite Diamond Ring. Uh, there was there was about a Royal last week I completely missed, and I think this is like the finals for it. Or they were the final two. Uh, Cassidy had the match won a bunch of times with an Orange Punch. And I don't. What was that other? The Beach Break. I almost called it the Beach Blast. You know, that's a WCW pay per view from 1992. Uh, Cassidy had the Orange Punch again. Couldn't get the pin. Hits another one, but Wardlow puts MJF's foot on the bottom rope, and then Miro, Happy Miro Day, lays out Cassidy with a huge clothesline out of nowhere. MJF makes the cover and wins, or retains the time. He has the Diamond Ring from last year. He either wins or retains the diamond ring. Maybe gets another. It would be fun, fun. It would be great if the diamond, dynamite diamond ring actually meant something, but it doesn't. So yeah, AW was fun this week. I've missed some great stuff on NXT. I'm probably gonna sit down and watch it when I'm done recording here. But I had a fun time live tweeting with the addict underscore Russell Twitter account during. Uh, during dynamite so that was great i'm going to take a quick commercial break here and when i come back i will be doing part one of my top 10 matches of 2020 see you in a bit peeps Hope you enjoyed that little music interlude during the commercial break, folks. Mr. Fretz here, Fretzelmania. Welcome back and welcome to your favorite segment, Fretz's 
fave five. Before I get into that, I have to give a shout out to our Patreon, patreon.com slash Radio. Five bucks a month gets you access to a bunch of shows that you don't see on this network. You get access to all of us in a great group me chat. You get Mr. YLP, you get myself, you get Mance, King Ricky, Will, the K Murphy, and some of our lovely patrons, such as Wade, Jermaine, Kavita, and yes, even you, Slack. Shout out to the intern Freckles as well. <laughs> Yes, this week and next, I'll be breaking down my top 10 matches of 2020. I realize that 2020 ain't over yet, and there's still a little bit more wrestling to go. I don't think we're going to get any contenders until then. I have a few honorable mentions to get out here first. Now, I've been putting this list together almost all year. I've had an open Word file. Uh, on my laptop, just typing in matches as they've happened and been placing them uh, differently throughout the year. Heck, I changed one of my matches from honorable mention to number nine while I was recording this very podcast. That's how recent I have been changing my mind and changing where these match placements go. It was really hard because this year in wrestling has just been bonkers. COVID be damned. We've been spoiled. So my honorable mentions, I'm going to give you maybe three. SummerSlam 2020, Seth Rollins versus Dominic Mysterio in Dominic's in-ring debut. Now, Dom was dabbling with WWE here and there, like he had a very good uh, interference spot against Brock Lesnar at Survivor Series 2019. A little father and son moment before Brock killed them both and crushed our hopes and dreams of Rey Mysterio actually defeating Brock Lesnar. So, yes, uh, in the little, the 24 leading up to this, you know, Dom was talking about Eddie Guerrero and how, you know, how much he misses Eddie and that he he feels, you know, Eddie's presence in this and just how everything has come full circle in his life from, you know, working with, with the Guerreros and now at SummerSlam and now having a match some 16 years after the fact. Holy shnikes, that was long long time ago and Dominic really held his own here and in the rest of that 24 like Vince McMahon gave him a hug as like you know you, sh- you should be very proud of of what you did out there tonight and the rest of the Mysterios just embracing him and congratulating him and you know Dominic's had a bit of a presence on Smackdown he is an insanely talented wrestler and I hope nothing but the best for him for a bright future. Seth brought out a great, great match with Dominic. And as long and boring as the feud with the Mysterio family was, or maybe still is, or still going, 
you got to admit the talent here that was involved here. Seth Rollins is one of the best in-ring workers in the WWE, and you got the hot new rookie with Dominic. It, ju- it, it was a recipe for success. It couldn't go wrong. And another honorable mention here is the Firefly Funhouse match from WrestleMania 36. When it happened, that was my favorite match of the year. Obviously, there's other ones that, that'll get in the way of this, but this wasn't much of a match as it was like like an episode of Twin Peaks or something. It was so weird and self-referential and everything. It was just a journey through the psyche of Bray Wyatt and John Cena. I can only imagine the kind of match we would have got if there was a crowd. Like once COVID hit and just thwarted the plans for WrestleMania in Raymond James Stadium, you know, going to the empty performance center, you know, they had to innovate and act fast. So I think they, with what the cards they were dealt and then the cards that they dealt us were genius because you had, you had Bray Wyatt, like cult leader, Mr. Rogers Bray starting off here. Like, you know, hi, John. And all something about ye who enter here, you know, God help you. I, I, for, I forget something, you know, like basically you're entering hell. You're entering like da- the danger zone here. You're going, you're on the highway to the danger zone, except Kenny Loggins isn't, play, isn't playing you in. Abandon all hope, ye who enter here. That's what it was, not the danger zone. Cut that, and it's in. And you start off with Cena coming out to like Slam Jam, like his first uh, generic rock entrance theme in his freaking classic tights. And they were reliving that Ruthless Aggression promo. Shout out to the Ruthless Aggression podcast, by the way. Uh, Levi, Jake. And Kyle, uh, shout out to you folks. I drank that last Pepsi Blue just for you guys. Welcome back. So you had all these referential things that were parts of John Cena's career and parts that weren't. You know, they had that Cena was in the the NWO. It's like, this is such good shit with the Vince puppet. Like, the balls on Bray Wyatt to have a Vince McMahon puppet and, like, Bruce Pritchard is probably voicing all these puppets for these segments because, you know, if you've listened to something to wrestle with, you'll know how how good and how, how Bruce Pritchard's Vince impression is. That's the Vince impression that I'm inspired by, that I use. And, and, and the Vince puppet being available on the WWE shop as well. Oh, man, like... You can tell he's loving it. You can tell, like, it's such good shit. Like, he, he actually he actually likes it. I love that Huskus pig guy. But then we got to the part where Bray Wyatt had to let the fiend in. And then there was nothing but darkness. There was the Sister Abigail, the, the Mandible Claw, and then just like that, John Cena disappears. And in a way... The Fiend erases John Cena from history. And that was just, for cinematic wrestling, fantastic, fantastic stuff. And the next honorable honorable mention is another 
cinematic match. And man, it was a hard choice between these two. But my last honorable mention is the Stadium Stampede match from Double or Nothing. That was that that was just one of the most difficult parts of this countdown as to what cinematic matches are going to go into my actual countdown. So yeah, Double or Nothing this past year was one of the many events that were affected by insert virus name here. You had Matt Hardy and the Elite going up against the Inner Circle, Chris Jericho, Jake Hager, Sammy Guevara, and Santina. Santana and Ortiz, the former LAX. And this was just an absolute gong show fighting all over the TIAA Bank field in Jacksonville. Yeah, they're fighting in amongst the entire stadium. Like there was a spot there where Hangman Adam Page was coming out on a horse, you know, some cowboy shit right here. <laughs> and you had the whole spiel having like the NFL announcers. You had Chris Jericho throwing down an actual flag and having a challenge with ref referee Aubrey. Like, you're a shitty referee. <laughs> eventually, you know, there's a spot where they wound up in a pool. The shallow end of the pool and then the LAX couldn't swim. That was that was just funny. Matt Hardy got reborn into all of his gimmicks like three times. Like he he became V1. He became like Team Extreme. Uh I he should have like got reborn as like the plaid wearing Hardy Boys from '98. Yeah, look them up. That was pre Michael Hayes Hardy Boys. That's when they they had a, ma a random match against Kai and Tai on Heat, and then were all, all of a sudden part of the tag team division. Now Matt Hardy became like broken again in this match. And eventually there was a one-winged angel off of a platform, like a like a stadium platform or like a uh, one of the what do you call those the bleachers or something, and wow, that was an absolute gong show, spectacular stuff. Now onto my actual countdown. Number ten is another match from AEW, but from Revolution this past January. Uh, shout out to Nate. You know I'm, I'm wearing the Revo AEW Revolution shirt. It says, I was there, except I wasn't. He was, and I got the t-shirt the in the mail. Mox and Jericho. Yeah, Moxley has the Solid Snake. He looks like Solid Snake on here with that eye patch. Snake? Snake! <laughs> yeah, that was a match between Orange Cassidy and the Bastard Pac. That was just previous to the main event. This was when... I was coming around on Orange Cassidy, you know, accompanied by the best friends, Chuck Taylor and Trent Beretta. Uh, Pac had the Lucha Brothers, uh, Pentagon Jr. and Ray Phoenix, attack the best friends long enough to distract Cassidy for Pac to lock in the Brutalizer. And eventually, Orange Cassidy would tap out. But there was, bit by bit, Cassidy was still doing his nonchalant, you know, pants and the not so serious hey like grazing kicks until finally Pac brought out the aggression in him and Cassidy would just turn it on to 11 just like that and they wound up having a spectacular back and forth 13 minute match with several near falls by Orange Cassidy because leading up to this he was still just that 
sunglass wearing, hands in the pockets, not so serious, lazy, sloth, schlub wrestler. But although those who watched him in the indies, namely, like, you know, King Ricky, that's who I heard of Orange Cassidy from, was from Ricky Will. And I think even, like, this was, it was a pre-K Murphy. It might have been Dusty Dave. And, yeah, I, I can see the appeal in him now. This is when I, yeah, this is when I came around on Orange Cassidy. They had an awesome, awesome match. Number nine is a cinematic match. This was the one that I replaced the stadium stampede with. It's the Boneyard match. AJ Styles and The Undertaker. Night one of WrestleMania main event. Basically a buried alive match that took place in an undisclosed cemetery and warehouse somewhere in Orlando. You know, after watching the last ride documentary, just seeing the work and the effort that was put into this, like an entire night of taping and like almost right away, Taker gacks himself on that car window. Son of a bitch. You had the graveyard theme come out because the hearse poke, uh, you know, the, the hearse parked in, but Oh, it was AJ Styles emerging from the casket. And then the undertaker who had been, not alluding to bringing back the American Badass, but the promos that AJ Styles was cutting on his wife, Michelle, was bringing a lot more Mark Calloway into this match. You know, he arrives to the area riding a motorcycle, a la American Badass, to the tune of Metallica's Now That We're Dead, which is from hard, what, Hardwired to Self-Destruct from 2017. Now, I haven't paid much attention to Metallica since St. Anger because that album totally burned me. It broke my heart. St. Anger was freaking terrible. And you're talking to a guy who was... Metallica's probably in my top five fave bands of all time. I'm like, Five Iron Frenzy, Skillet, Metallica, ACDC, Van Halen. Like, there there you go. My goodness. The OC, you know, the, the former Bullet Club members, Luke Gallows and Carl Anderson, made an appearance to a, attempt to assist Styles, but Taker ended up bearing them both as well. Ironically, I think that was their last appearance before getting released and now in Impact Wrestling. Are they the Impact Tag Team Champions now? Yeah, I think they beat the North for the titles recently. But you had just a cinematic masterpiece. Eventually... Mark Calloway, American Badass Taker, was kind of put out. And then, you know, Styles thinks he has the match won. Then you have that meme, Taker standing behind him. Gong. Chokeslam into a grave. Kicked him into a grave from a height. Taker then got the tractor and dumped all the dirt, burying AJ Styles to win the match. And, you know, Styles' hand was sticking out of the grave, a la Undertaker at uh, Buried Alive 96. So this was a fun, fun match. I just put it on there just for the sake of it being so over the top. So that's my number nine. My number eight match. And, uh, Zach, you're going to kill me for having this match uh, so low, but it was still... Really, really good. 
That is Wrestle Kingdom 14. Night 2. I believe this was the title versus title main, main event match here. The Double Gold Dash, that's what it was. Thank you, Wikipedia. Tetsuya Naito, the new Intercontinental Champion, having defeated Jay White the night before, against reigning IWGP Heavyweight Champion Kasukita Okada. My lord, I probably butchered that name. Uh, <clears throat> I'm sorry. So yeah, Okada versus Naito. Double Gold Dash... 35 minutes of absolute insane amazing wrestling you know during the climax of this match naito countered a rainmaker into a destino for a near fall you know naito attempted another destino okada prevents it and then freaking naito hits the stardust press a match I don't think had been seen in quite some time. YLP, please correct me on this. The next time you're talking about New Japan, we're on the road to to Wrestle Kingdom six fifteen. Is it next? Is it? It's in like a month. So I'm looking forward to hearing all about that, Zach, and also watching it. So eventually, after the Stardust Press, Naito performs another Destino to win both championships. And then after them afterwards, Kenta, you know, the former Hideo Watami. Did he make his return? No, Kenta was already in New Japan. Anyways, Kento had already been in New Japan by this point. But yeah, Los Ingonrobles, the Japan, you know, Bushi arrived and helped Naito backstage as the show ended. But that Kenta was definitely making his presence felt here that he wants the title. He wants the gold. I think he held the never open weight title this past year or that or the year before. Yeah, Hiroki Goto defeated him for the title earlier that night. So Kenta was already hungry for more gold. And they put on almost a 40 minute absolute barn burner of a match. A, the day the day before, Naito had a 33-minute classic with the Switchblade, Jay White. You know, Okada the night before had what could have been on this list as well versus Ibushi. You know, the man, I think, who is going to win the heavyweight championship at Wrestle Kingdom. I don't know if that's the match they're setting up, but it would be a great full circle moment. Take a shot, Nate. And Zach, please correct me on all of this New Japan stuff because I want to be educated. I don't get to watch a lot of New Japan. I'll watch Wrestle Kingdom every year just because you know I won't stay up until God knows when o'clock to watch it. I will find ways to watch it, but I'll, I'll get a hold of that and Dominion and whatever that the name of that show is. Like the day after Wrestle Kingdom, they usually have a pretty a pretty significant event as well. Like and this and this past Wrestle Kingdom also gave us the end of Jushin Thunder Liger's legendary career. So there is that. Number seven is uh, a fairly recent match that actually took place on NXT UK TV, I believe, on the twentieth of October, if I'm not mistaken. Pete Dunn and Ilya Dragunov 
versus Imperium's Alexander Wolf and Valter. This, of course, was the precursor to a match you're going to see on this list. Spoiler alert. Dragunov and Walter for the UK title. This was leading up to that. And actually, Elia pinned Walter in this match. So if you believe in 50-50 booking, you can take a guess at what happened at Walter and Dragunov. But this was stiff, British strong style. Also, we were also in the midst of the of the Royal Cup in NXT UK. The, uh, the, the Royal Crown. I just watched bloody NXT UK today and I can't remember the name of the thing. The Heritage Cup Championship. I did not want to mess that one up. I'm sorry. But yeah, that, that was also in the midst of this. And these four guys just took lumps out of each other. You know, Pete Dunne was still over in the UK at this point in time. I don't know if they pre-taped a whole bunch of UK stuff and then released it, you know, week by week. I don't know what their <clears throat> lockdown, in parentheses, situation is in the UK. But anyways, I know that Pete Dunne's back in the States, back on uh, NXT US. Yeah, these these four put on a great match. Like Walter is just that final boss of not only NXT, but I think of the WWE. He's the longest reigning, I think, men's champion right now in the company. Kaylee Ray might be the longest overall. You know, COVID be damned, the, the few months off that NXT UK had. Counts towards the records, just saying. Uh, next, number six which will end this part of the countdown is Finn Balor versus Kyle O'Reilly for the NXT title. NXT TakeOver 31's main event. And this was the match where Finn Balor had his jaw broken in two places. That, that, that kick by Kyle O'Reilly. You know, Kyle suffered some Injuries in this match here as well. I think he had some teeth yanked out or something in this one. These two, just another stiff, stiff match. Like, Kyle O'Reilly's always been that kind of worker. He, I think he has a little bit of Brazilian jiu-jitsu in him. Uh, Finn Balor can definitely work that strong style. Like, that was evident in Japan. That was evident in a lot of his matches in the WWE. And now that he's back in NXT, like that one he had with Thatcher at TakeOver 30, also just holy, holy crap. It was a clash of styles in a way, but it it paid off into just one of the best worked matches of the entire year. For nearly 30 minutes, Balor and O'Reilly gave us everything they could ask for in a wrestling match. Striking exchanges, top rope spots, submission spots, grappling, and a story needed to deliver a great narrative. This match didn't have any run-ins, ref bumps, or any sorts of wacky hijinks. This was purely wrestling. And it was glorious go back and watch that match if you haven't yet you should also be watching some of these matches that i have uh, i have given you today that is going to be it for this edition of fretz's fave 
five. Next week, I break down my top five matches of the year, my favorite ones. And then on the 26th, you get a free edition of the 20 Bell Salute, usually found on the Wrestle Attic Radio Patreon. But that is my Christmas gift to you uh, because that will be the day after Christmas when it airs. And now finally, last segment of the day is my Game Changer of the Week. And that goes to none other than one of the people that are responsible for bringing me here to Wrestle Attic Radio Anthony DeStefano, rant with Ant himself, the Rant Father, Ant. Now, uh, I know that the Rant Foundation is currently on a hiatus until the new year. You know, things are hectic in the lives of, of Ant, Phil, and Issa. You know, I get it. You know, work and family and all that kind of stuff. And Ant still takes the time to uh, to entertain people. I mean, lately he has been on Twitch at Game of Ant. I believe he just became an affiliate. So congratulations to to Ant f- for that. Just an absolute gentleman, an absolute just gem of a human being. He has a great heart, and as I said, he's one of the reasons that I'm here. Like he le- when he left Wrestle Attic Radio for a little while and left podcasting for a little while, it kind of left. A bit of a void it did allow me to discover other podcasts but i just missed that uh the other the, the other night i was watching him and g-rod another wrestle radio original play uh a, what is that that pirate that pirate game on xbox uh sea of thieves that's it and just shooting the breeze with him and talking about stuff and watching <laughs> Watching him play Sea of Thieves, it's it's just fun. So it's always good to catch up with him on these streams. I believe he might be streaming as I'm recording here now, so I'll probably go and check that out. If not, another night. Nate, I mean, ooh, oh, Nate is the person I named this after. Ant. Yeah, Nate was last week. Ant, congratulations, good brother. You're my game changer of the week. Uh, your two sweet is coming in the mail. And that'll do it for this edition of the Fretzelmania podcast. I thank you for listening. I encourage you to follow us across all of the social media platforms. We are Wrestle Addict Radio. We are the cure for the common wrestling podcast. And I'll say it again because Kenny did. Goodbye and good night. Bang.